Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. My name is Erin Colbert, and I serve as the Director of Children's Ministry. And I'd like to share a statistic with you first thing this morning. Burnham Research Group estimates that 64% of people who give their lives to Christ do so before the age of 18. We are continuing our series, We Are the Church. And the sermon bumper is a reminder that the church is not a building, rather it's gathered people. And so I wanna start off our morning asking you a question. How does passion drive a person. As a culture, we cling to stories like Pride and Prejudice, Count of Monte Cristo, Les Mis, for the passionate actions of the characters. These stories invoke within each of us a desire to be equally passionate in our own lives. We long to give ourselves completely to something or someone so that our lives may have true purpose. Humanity is captivated by passion because we were created for it. God created us with a a desire to be passionate. Then he may satisfy that desire with his plans. This morning, we will unpack together the story of Daniel. We will read how Daniel's faith was tested in a real way. And we will search together, what is Daniel's secret? Is it passion? Jerusalem, the city of God, is completely destroyed, and all the inhabitants have been taken to the been taken to exile to Babylon to the great city of King Nebuchadnezzar. After arrival to Babylon, Daniel is selected for a trainee program. He has a bright future ahead of him as one of the leaders in this great and mighty empire. You might say that Daniel is of one of high potentials within this kingdom. Babylon has discovered his talents and aptitude and has therefore decided to invest in him. Daniel only needs to conform to the rules and the culture of the Babylonian kingdom. He receives a new name because he is supposed to forget everything about his Jewish identity and instead identify himself within a new culture. In addition to this exquisite education under the guidance of the best teachers of the kingdom, his captains also want him to eat the most healthiest foods available. His captains want him to conform to something that all the scholars of his time consider to be proven as healthy for the development of his physique and his personality. They want him to eat food specially selected for him and his fellow trainees in order to look good and to be healthy. But Daniel refuses because of his conviction of his upbringing. This conviction stems from his heart, but Daniel resolved in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor the wine in which he drank. This choice anchored deeply in his heart is Daniel's secret. The heart is a place where everything is born. It is the source of life. It is there that Daniel decides to serve God. 
The heart is a place within all of us where everything comes together. Our desires, our emotions, our balance. It is the place where a person makes his choice. In his heart, passions are born. For the heart harbors our deepest longings and directs our thoughts and mind. The mind is the place where we deliberate and determine what we are going to do. Your destination, therefore, is ultimately determined by your heart. And this is why it is so important to decide in advance who you will allow in your heart and what you will not. What you will read, what you will not, what are you looking at, and who do you give access to influence your heart? When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Luke eleven thirty four. Daniel's secret was that he had already decided to serve God in his heart. And this opened a way for God to work in and through him. This is Daniel's secret. He was able to serve the king of Babylon with all of his talents and capacities without denying himself or his faith. He could make a difference. Because of his high position in this empire, he comes to rule over the most important part of the country and is also appointed as chief over all the wise men in this country. And in a later stage, he is appointed to be the top position of government and considered to be a governor himself over the entire kingdom. Daniel had a clear strategy. One, he understood the interest of his leaders. Two, he trusted God and was a man of prayer and devotion to God. Three, he made decisions from his heart and stuck to them. Four, he had clear convictions. Five, he was prepared to run the risks and stick his neck out. And six, he asked, but never demanded. For Daniel, his conviction was not just a theory, he also acted on it. His challenge was not in achieving success and or victories in the way that his environment defines it, but in keeping his heart pure, following God, whatever it takes. And this requires wisdom and faith. Many times, jealous rivals tried to find fault. And after several generations of kings, the rivals thought they had finally found something that could get them rid of Daniel once and for all. And it was something in connection with the law of Daniel's God. They convinced King Darius to establish an ordinance, a law, that nobody could make a petition to any God or man for 30 days, except for the king himself. Whoever disobeyed this law would be cast into a den of lions. Of course, the rivals had not come up with this idea to please the king. But because they knew Daniel prayed to God three times a day. This was the ultimate test. Would Daniel continue his prayers and risk a horrible death, or would he submit? Just as his enemies had hoped, Daniel valued God more than any king. He did not change his prayer habits, even though this meant execution. The laws were clear, and there was no way to escape. Not even King Darius could save Daniel. And so he was cast into a den of lions. This is where I invite us all to think to ourselves, 
What is so important that we would stick to our principles, even if it meant death? They were convinced that Darius had established this law to the point of death, and the evil plans of Daniel's rivals had succeeded. They expected this to be the end of the story, but remarkably, King Darius had a glimmer of hope for his favorite official that he would survive this trial. May your God, whom you serve continuously, deliver you. And God did. Daniel's testimony while being in the pit of lions was, I trust you, God, whatever the outcome. And we serve the king, the true king. The next morning, Daniel told the king from the lion's den, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and before you. O king, I have done no harm. This was incredible proof of God's supremacy. King Darius even made a decree that all of his subjects should fear God, saying, for he delivers and rescues and works wonders and signs in heaven and on earth. He who have served Daniel, saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel's enemies planned to do Daniel harm, but God turned their evil plans into something good. He saved his servant and thereby made his supremacy known to all the people, nations, and languages that dwelt in all the earth. Doing the right thing was the win that Daniel had already won. God had won Daniel's heart to the point of intimate death. Now Daniel's deliverance resulted in people all over the kingdom hearing about Daniel's God, and the king was overjoyed. He realized that all the other administrators had tricked him into making a law that would hurt Daniel. And so he put into effect another law, telling the people to fear Daniel's God, saying, I issue a decree that in all of my royal domain, people must tremble at the fear before God of Daniel, for he is a living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his domain has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And, we, and when we can trust that sometimes in those very impossible circumstances may be the means by which God's name is made known to others. Now, assuming that Daniel was a teenager when he was cap taken captive in Babylonian, we have to ask ourselves, what had Daniel experienced in his formative years of childhood to carry him through so many trials of his convictions to be faithful to God? Train up a child the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. In my own experience, I grew up in a house where my family said they were believers, but we never once went to church. I had never attended vacation Bible school as a child, but only served as a volunteer. My first experience at vacation Bible school was when I was in middle school, and I was invited by a friend to help children at a local church vac vacation Bible school. 
For one week, I helped three hours a day each afternoon, and I absolutely loved it. And I must have done a good job because I was invited the next year at the same church to volunteer again. Now, it would almost take 12 to 13 years later before I would really do anything with the church again. But I look back at those experiences with great appreciation. I look back and I think about how the seed was planted and how once my husband and I were going to a church, even without children of our own, we helped and served in vacation Bible school, youth Sundays, and Sunday school. Never would I have imagined that those seeds possibly planted during those vacation Bible school years as I was a teenager could help me to eventually have my own convictions of my own children and where my passion for children's ministry may have started. Passion is a fuel that inspires and drives people towards specific goals, no matter how unlikely or difficult they may be. It generates enthusiasm needed to plow through the biggest obstacle courses over and to overcome the most difficult challenges. The word passion has a lot of meanings. The root word, pathos, means extreme, intense emotion to carry a burden or a load even to the point of suffering. This is why we call the crucifixion the passion of Christ. Jesus carried our burdens with great suffering out of his intense love for us. Having passion is natural and human. In fact, God has given us all passion. It's that deep, intense feeling that pulls us like a magnet towards something or someone we care deeply about. Before following Christ, our passion is for ourselves, our own pleasure, our own achievement, for our own agenda. And passion for ourselves leads us to sin. After following Christ and turning away from sin, our passions should naturally shift away from ourselves and towards God and the people he has called us to serve. Passion is different from your gifts and talent. If you find yourself describing your passion as being passionate about teaching or singing or leading, then you may still be focused on yourself. Those gifts matter, but they are gifts to the people that you bring your heart's call and passion towards. Instead, you need to think to yourself, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. A beautiful quote from Mark Batterson, the circle maker. Whom the Lord calls, the Lord qualifies. As we follow the Lord's example of servants and obedience, fulfilling our callings and in church responsibility, our lives will be blessed and we will become more like God. Passion is not a what, it's a who. God never calls us to a thing, a job, or a function. He calls us to people. That's why he often describes leaders as shepherds and caretakers of a flock. Now, the flock could look different for all of us. For me, undoubtedly, it's children's ministry. And in the last few months, I'm feeling an even stronger desire to include family ministry to the listing of my callings. But for you, you may feel God calling you to shepherd students, the elderly, hungry, newlywed, suffering, those suffering in addiction, the marginalized, and the list can go on and on and on. Just like Moses, you have a calling. 
And when you realize that God is asking you to be the voice, to speak on the behalf of reaching others, it fills you like no other desire. You will be committed to honoring your call and any opportunity you get to speak on it. You will relentlessly find your voice that connects the hearts, the minds, the ears of your listeners in your white hot passion to reach all that you can. And for me, it's the children of Timberlake. Pat Simo says that children's ministry is not a pintage of the local church. Rather, what we do is help children know, love, and serve Jesus, which is central to the mission of the church. For me and my ministry volunteers, there are many reasons why we choose children's ministry. It's about creating a space for them to be comfortable to communicate with you. We find that when we just have fun with the children and students while talking to them, they open up far more. Faith sometimes is more about, is more about being caught than taught. Children are not really looking for information or explanation, but more of a demonstration of how we live our lives through the hope and peace of Jesus. And in those small moments that it could appear really hard to others, we are actually making a significant impact to an eternal value. We also hear over and over again how much our team of volunteers, teachers, and assistants receive so much in return. Children help us simplify what, as adults, we overcomplicate. Kim, one of our faithful teachers and dear friend of mine, shared a story recently about how she received so much through a simple children's lesson. Shortly after celebrating her birthday with a brand new phone, she lost it in a boating incident. While docking during the evening with threatening rain, she dropped her brand new phone deep down 16 feet of the bottom of a lake. She was horrified. That evening, she was so angry with herself for letting it happen. She didn't sleep much that night, replaying the pop of the phone into the lake over and over again in her head and beating herself up for being so careless. Later that week, on Saturday night, while she started to prepare the lesson to teach the children the next morning, she pulled up the lesson and she could not believe what she saw. The title of the lesson said, Remembering God's Mercy Can Heal Anger. As she read the lesson and the accompanying scripture about the Israelites being angry with God in the desert, God spoke to Kim and told her that his mercies were greater than any anger that she could ever have towards herself. He had forgiven her for things far worse before and dropping her phone. She needed to forgive herself and let his mercies comfort her and reminded her that there was so much more that she could be thankful for. And she started to feel the anger escape and she was finally able to sleep that night. The next day during the lesson, Kim was able to share her story with the children. She let them know how God was merciful and forgiving to the Israelites and how he also forgives us even when we are angry with ourselves. She shared with me that hopefully that lesson would hide in their hearts until they needed to feel that same mercy and forgiveness. Kim said, I feel certain that God used the children's lesson to speak to me, to what I needed to hear, and give me an opportunity 
to share God's mercy with children with a real life experience. Serving in children's ministry lets us as adults see that we are all children of God and he will use our service to minister to us as well. It also lets the children know that with each experience and trial that we face helps us grow and prepare for how God will use us to further his kingdom. Another volunteer and sweet friend of mine, Christine, shared with me the important that the children see that we have a willingness to want to be there with them and how once they know that they are loved and that they have people who want to share God's love and story with them, they open up far more. Pat Griffin Goal Edge said, if your passion is to make disciples, there is no more fertile ground than among the students. Don't miss this great need and how much, how much that can be accomplished in the short term with our students and children. Now, serving in any ministry, but definitely in children's ministry, is your complete dependency upon the Holy Spirit. His power, his strength, his wisdom, his passion to see children and families come to know, love, and follow him. This deep dependency is the passion of my work here at Children's Ministry, and it has taken leaning and listening intently for his voice and direction. Living in the faith lane of Children's Ministry has many turns and detours, and at times you will find yourself facing one mountain after another, but it needs to always be inviting God to do his transforming work. The best part We'll be looking at those aha moments, capturing them and praying over them to last a lifetime. Now, I would not be doing our children or students any justice if I didn't say right now, right here, there's a big need. We need more volunteers. And I know we have them available here at Timberlake. Just a few weeks ago, we had 130 volunteers for Vacation Bible School. This also includes our students. Just last year, we started our new LIT program, Leaders in Training. This is an opportunity for our students to transition into leadership and service and to help cultivate a culture of discipleship for the next generation. Those eligible were at least in sixth grade, usually completed confirmation class, and are recommended by those in church leadership, including teachers, assistants, and small group leaders. This is also a mentoring opportunity for our students to give them the skills for their future discipleship. Without children or without students like Taylor, Luke, Talon, Corey, or Brady, we would not have had adequate help for our growing ministry returning from 2020. To give you an idea of our current treehouse kid needs for both safety and adequate size classrooms, we've created a chart for you. And I wanted to show that with you this morning. Now, we need help monthly. And on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., we need eight adults. We currently have six. Now, at our 1030 service, you know we have a lot of children here. We need like 50. If you're serving once a month, we have 31. On Wednesdays, starting up in the fall, we have our treehouse kids. To have adults serve monthly again, we need 32. Currently, we have three. <laughs> so
So for the coming up fall, we need more help in order to offer Wednesday night treehouse kids. If you're feeling a little tug, maybe in your pinky toe from the Holy Spirit, please come find Michaela Jacobs, our student ministry director, Sarah Merricks, our children's ministry assistant, or myself. We would love an opportunity to sit down with you over coffee and tea and share why the Lord has pressed on our hearts for the children and student of Timberlake and in our communities. Now, remember that when a child is baptized here at Timberlake, we make a congregational vow to the family. And I would like to take this opportunity this morning to repeat those vows with you together. So I'd like it if you would follow along with me on the screen. All right, there we go. So you're gonna read the whole thing with me and that big old blank spot right there, space right there, you're gonna say children of Timberlake. Let's practice. Children of Timberlake. Oh, good, you guys have got this. All right, follow along with me, read out loud. Okay, do you promise to order your lives after the example of Christ that children of Timberlake, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads them to eternal life. And we all say, we will. Good job. And we also say, repeat with me again, will you support parents and help them with the Christian upbringing of the children of Timberlake? And we all say, we will. As Christians, we know that we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and into the people around us that God is calling us to serve. God never described himself as a leader. He described himself as a servant. And we, the lost ones, separated from God, were his passion and still are. Daniel made up his mind ahead of time before he knew his story he made up his mind, even as a teenager, on his passion for who? Daniel's secret was his passion for God. Regardless of the outcome, God had won Daniel's heart. Passion is not a what, it's a who. Who is your passion? Let us pray. Father God, thank you for all the wonderful opportunities that you make known to us day and day and out. We see things around us, and Lord, we know that we have a calling, each one of us. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts to those around us. Help us discover our passions and our desires, but let them always be to glorify you, God, in all things, in your sweet son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.